Open with me, if you would, in your copies of God's Word to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the final chapter of Ecclesiastes. We'll read the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Hear now God's holy and inspired word. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the window grow dim, when the doors are shut on the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way, when the almond blossom when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was. The Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. In this final chapter, we see Solomon, the, the, the teacher, the preacher, uh, bringing to a conclusion so much of what he has instructed in the prior 11 chapters, bringing all of these teachings of, of the vanity of life under the sun, the pain, the sorrow that, that, that we live here, the instruction to, to enjoy life while we have it, but remember the judgment of God. All comes together as we see these final admonitions to not procrastinate. It is dangerous to, to say, I will call upon the Lord at a later time. I will call upon the Lord when, when I'm all finished having fun, sowing my wild oats, when I've enjoyed all the pleasures of life. Then, in my old age, when I have nothing to lose, then I'll call upon Him. This is a dangerous thing. Not only is it a dangerous thing, but, but it is not conducive to your spiritual health in the long run because you need that faith, that, that faith that, you, that is established in your youth to carry you through all the trials and the troubles of life. To pretend that you can go through life in your own strength, enjoying all the pleasures of life, and then seek the Lord is to undermine the greatest strength, the greatest about weapon you have in living this life under the sun and all the trials that come with it. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth because you're going to get old and because there's going to be trials and because you're going to want Him then. Know Him now. That's really the heart of what Solomon is 
instructing us here. So, by God's grace, I'd like to somewhat briefly this morning consider these eight verses under four headings. Young faith, the the faith that that, that begins in, in youth, is wise faith. It's wise to call upon your Creator now. Secondly, young faith prepares for hardship. This faith that that is is nurtured in our youth prepares us for everything that life brings yet to come. Thirdly, young faith anticipates an earthly death. By calling upon the Lord of our, our creation now, we're being prepared for eternity. We're being prepared to, to face the Lord when we die. It acknowledges that my life here on earth is temporal. And I'm living for eternity. And, and fourthly and finally, some thoughts concerning creation and recreation. Solomon has been dealing with Genesis and, and pulling it together with his theology of God. And we see that coming together in these verses, how God is our creator, but we are made new creatures. We've been recreated in Christ. So those four headings. Firstly, young faith is wise faith. It is wise to call upon the Lord while we are young and not to put, put it off for a later date. The message throughout Ecclesiastes has been consistently, life under the sun is unpredictable and full of sorrows. So Solomon says, be wise because it's unpredictable. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. So call upon the Lord now, as the author to the Hebrews says, while it is yet called today. It's wise. Thus, the teachers often instructed the hearer to enjoy those pleasures of life as they're afforded to us. And this enjoyment then is always with the reminder that we will be held accountable before God for our sinful actions. Enjoy life while you have it. Enjoy the pleasures of life, but do not enjoy them in sin because there will be a judgment. And so with that in mind... He says, call upon him now. While you have the clearness of mind and of body to to think rightly upon these things, to meditate upon who God is. Because the 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 sinful, the wicked, the, the rebellious human response to enjoying pleasures of life is always to do it on our own terms and apart from that wisdom that comes from God. It is to live life now for today life is for the living enjoy it the world says but with this logic of the world the enemy of god and the worshiper the enemy of god becomes subject to the enemy of our souls solomon on the contrary concludes something far different from the self-serving world he concludes that We should live life for God while we're yet young. That's where our hope is. That's where our confidence, that's where our comfort is. That is where our assurance is. That is wise. While we're young, then our bodies are strong, our minds are sharp, our senses are keen. Now is when we can the most fully appreciate the wonders of creation 
as the handiwork of the glorious God, we see with, with the fullness of young eyes the spectrum of the majesty of the sunset. And when we call upon him as creator, we see something of the glory of God in, in, in the fullness of what our senses will afford. Now our ears have hear the soft patter even of the refreshing rains. As Solomon goes on in the following verses, when we get old, we, we lose much of that. Now we can enjoy the savory flavors of a finely grilled Angus steak. But when we get old, we are missing many of our grinders and we're not able to fully enjoy it. Enjoy it as God's creation. Now, while he gives you life, while we have all of our senses, now we can best enjoy the good gifts of our great God. Now, in the youth, we can best glorify him. It's wise to call upon him while we are young. Parents, you raise your children to love you from the earliest days, to trust in you for all things. They look to you as their natural refuge in the time of evil here under the sun. When something scares a, a child, they run to mommy or to daddy and cling tightly to the leg. And when they flee from our love, then the evil days normally become even more treacherous for them. When, when they're living in rebellion against us that I won't listen to you, that's when, when the harm comes. Well, that's something of what Solomon is pointing to us in our Christian walk. God is shown as our, our creator, our, our father, if you will. We belong to him. He created us and called it very good. And, we, and when we walk in his love, when we walk in union with him, then we walk in security. Then we find a sure refuge in our Lord along that well-tended path that he has set before us, the love of the one who provides for us, like a father to a child. Yet as Adam sinned and fled from the care while in the state of his innocence, so we, time and time again, decide that we will also flee from our sure refuge in Christ. As a child says, I don't want to listen to you, Mom, to, to you, Dad. I'm going to go do what I want. I see something sparkly over there in the road, and I'm going to go do it, and, and danger is right there. So we do to our God. It's foolish in a child. It's foolish in us. But as fallen humans, that's what we do. So often in our youth, we despise the love and provision of our Creator and insist upon making our own path through the minefield of earthly desires. And in so doing, we offer ourselves up as easy prey to the enemy. As fallen sinners, we're inclined to do that which is the most damaging to us. And Solomon knows something of this. He lived that life, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. He knows what it is to walk in rebellion to God. And he says, don't do it. It's not in your best interest. Call upon your creator while you're young. Don't do like I did in so many ways. Call upon the Lord while it is yet called today.
because that's the wise walk of a covenant child. Secondly, young faith prepares us for hardships. We see this in, in these beautiful word pictures of, of what it's like to grow old. There's some debate among the commentators whether he's talking about a, 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 what we might call a manor house. You, maybe you watch Downton Abbey and the, the great manor houses of England. And some commentators say that's kind of what's in view here as, as you see the decline of, of the manor house and the servants are gone and, and pretty soon the whole place is falling into desolation. I think really what's more in view is, is human life. Either one gives the accurate picture that with life comes degradation, uh, a decline. But I think what we have in view here is, is the natural falling apart of the human body as we get old. We see that life under the sun is full of pain. Call upon the Lord in your youth. Why? Before the difficult days come and the years draw, when you say, I have no pleasure in them, when the aches and pains uh, beset us from the early morning until late at night. Life under the sun is full of pain, and it's full of pain for everyone. Rich and poor, popular and ignorant, handsome and homely alike. There are hardships, whether we admit it or not. If we live, we will suffer. The world tries to pretend that their replacement gods provide true happiness, but we see that always falls flat. We see this in the self-destructive behavior of so many, in the pain-numbing attempts to ignore the facts that life is full of pain, especially for the rebel against God. If we live, we will suffer. But a strong faith prepares us to endure those hardships. Far from being a hindrance to our comfort, it is our only comfort and it is our only hope going forward. And that strong faith will, will strengthen us in those darkest times. Since we suffer, Solomon counsels us to approach that pain with the care and love of our merciful God. Why suffer in our own weakness when we can enjoy the love of our Creator? I can not even begin to recount the number of times I've had the opportunity to sit with grieving believers, weep with grieving believers, and hear them spontaneously say something to the effect of, I cannot even imagine going through this without my God. In the deepest, darkest, most painful hours of our life, the true believer says, my comfort is found in God, and I can go through this because He leads me, because He, he shepherds me. But I can't imagine what it would be like to go through this alone and without my faithful Lord. Faith prepares us for hardship. Union with God by true faith prepares us for everything. The pain is still dreadfully real. There's no getting around that. We live in a fallen world. The pain is very real. But the knowledge that the God who knows our every weakness, who sent His Son to cover every sin, who suffered all the tears of hell on our behalf, with that knowledge, we're given strength. 
and we can endure because we're enduring not by our own strength, but by the strength of the one who strengthens us, as Paul says in Colossians. There's pain in life. And Solomon goes on to picture what that pain looks like just by nature of getting old. The natural weakening of the body, verses 2 through 5. We see that the dimming of the eyes while the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened. We see uh, in pain we tend to lose sight of the beauty of God's creation. Thus, we see the the sunlight does not come out after the storm. Today we see the the clouds and the rain and we're thankful for the rain. And we know that in a few days the, the sun will shine again and it will refresh our spirits even as the rain refreshed the ground. Solomon uses this picture and says that the clouds do not return after the rain. It's like living in Michigan in January when you measure the the sunlight by the hour, not by the day. Because there's just always gloom. That's a picture of the spiritual nature of, of getting old. There's Less and less refreshment, less and less sunlight after the clouds, he says. In verse 3, our legs grow weak and we need help even to walk. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, our our legs get weak and and the strong men bow down. Perhaps we need a cane or a walker because we're getting old. Our eyesight continues to fail. Those that look through the windows grow dim. Verse 4, our speech becomes limited and we can no longer fully communicate when the doors are shut in the street. The sound of the grinding is low and sleep becomes elusive. When one rises at the sound of a bird, can no longer get a good night's sleep in. We we have a constant fear of of falling. Verse 5, Also, they're afraid of height and the terror in the way. As we become old, we become more feeble and and, and we can't function. And what if I fall? And what if I break my ankle? And and what? Because we're getting weak. We become as, as the grasshopper is a burden. Right now... The grasshoppers are starting to slow down. In June, they, you walked out to the garden, to the field, and they're, they're, it's just moving with, with a hive of activity. And by the time we have the first, first frost, what are the remaining few grasshoppers like? Well, they're just barely creeping along. Just That's what Solomon says it's like to get old. The normal desires of youth fail. Those things that, that uh, the, the young men and women live for, no longer matter. And as the body fails, the view of life often becomes, as we saw in verse 1, I have no pleasure in them. Because the aches and the pains and the burdens of life bear us down. And that also is why Solomon says, call upon your Creator while you're young. While you're not burdened with with all of of the the burdens of, of old age, Do it while you're young so that it can strengthen you through the natural aging process. If we live to an old age, as Solomon had said, it is a blessing to be given many days. He said our bodies will be much worse for the wear. We must be 
prepared for the weakening of this fallen body when we live in anticipation of the resurrected body in life everlasting. In Genesis, the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And we see that in these verses, verses 2 through 5 of, of Ecclesiastes, that dying process in action. And it's in each one of us. So he says, call on Christ now. So he can sustain you through it all. Thirdly, young faith anticipates earthly death. Closely connected with our, our second point. We see this in verses 6 through 7 primarily. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered in the fountain, or the wheel broken in the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to the God who gave it. The picture is, is not perfectly clear, and the commentators uh, uh, disagree even on, on what is, is being portrayed in in the silver cord and the golden bowl, and they have different ideas. The bottom line is, rather than go into the detail of, of, of what is expected to be here, what is clear is we have a picture of desolation set before us. That which was once beautiful has become broken of no use until finally the Spirit returns to the God who gave it until finally there's death. At the end of this life of suffering, there will always be death. Again, Solomon reminds us, as he has so many times in this picturesque portrayal, nobody gets out of here alive. We all must face the grave. One commentator noted that the picture before us is reminiscent of an old Western movie where, where there's no life left in the town and only tumbleweeds roll through the street. That's kind of a picture of what we see here. There's just no life left. You can almost hear the, the mournful whistle of an old Clint Eastwood movie. There's no hope. There's no life. It's just desolation. The author to Hebrews picks up the theme. And it is appointed for men once to die, but after this, the judgment. That's the concept of that, that Solomon set before us. We go through life, a life that has suffering, a life that has pain. Our bodies grow weak until finally a man goes to his eternal home and there's only desolation in the town, a tumbleweed rolling through, the silver cord is broken, or as he puts it, and the Spirit returns to the God who gave it. We will all die. And after that, the judgment. We're not free agents in this life. We belong to another. Whether we admit it or not, whether we live for Him or live against Him, we're not free agents because we belong to our Creator. And when we live in rebellion to Him, then we will face Him according to our own works and face the terrors of that judgment. We're accountable to the Creator who gives life and requires obedience. It's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. As image bearers of God, we have a spirit, a soul, which carries on for eternity. And how the rebel against God 
would love for that not to be true. To love to be able to live in rebellion to Him for 70 or 80 years or even more and then just be done. But we're image bearers of the Lord. We're created with a spirit, with a soul. We stand before the judgment seat and we cannot just call it quits. Truly, for every single person, there is a final judgment standing before God. Will we stand at that judgment on our own works? Saying, I did it my way. Or will we stand before that judgment seat of God? Say, I belong to Him. The mediator. The one who came and and suffered all the, the terrors of hell on my behalf. I belong to Him. The author to Hebrews goes on and says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin and for salvation. Young faith, calling upon the Lord while we're young, is an acknowledgement that this life is brief, but eternity is eternal. Fourthly, finally, Creation and recreation. A couple themes throughout Ecclesiastes and in these verses. Here, here Solomon seems to be marrying Genesis with Christ, if you will. Of course, he's a thousand years before Christ. Genesis 1, verse 1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. God created heaven and the earth. In John 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that Word, of course, is Christ. The recreation. The renewing of all that we have destroyed. The Spirit will return to the God who gave it. The God who breathed into Adam life. Christ Himself breathes new life into us as a new creation. We stand as the creation of God in verse 1. As those who brought the curse upon ourselves, we are a creation in difficult days. By nature, we are those of whom the author to the Hebrews later says in Hebrews 10, If any draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Solomon points towards the evil days of growing old. And, and that can be contrasted with, with the, the, the lack of pleasure that the Lord has in those who live according to their own works. He has no pleasure in us. God promised Adam that in the day he ate of the tree, he would die. Now we live a life here under the sun, which is continually marching toward that grave. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the street. If left to our own justice, 
that eternal home would always be the one of suffering under the eternal, perfect wrath of God. But praise be to God that he has not left us in a broken creation, but he has made a new creation, a recreation for us in his son Jesus. We're pointed to that in in this verse 7. The Spirit returns to the God who gave it. He does not leave us. He does not abandon us. When our identity is found in the finished work of Christ, then our eternal home is not one of wrath, but it's one of peace. It returns to God for eternity as sons and daughters of the Most High, as those who are are united through the blood of the Lamb. Here, even in Solomon, is a hint of that perfect grace which has been promised in the garden that the, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, which has been pictured in the reign of Christ. The, man, uh, the reign of David, the man after God's own heart, which would be fulfilled in the coming of Christ, that greater seed of David. We see something of it in the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 66. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants in your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship me, says the Lord. Here we have a picture of that renewed creation. As, as we're made new and we're, we're called to worship him here on this Lord's day, through all of life, in preparation for eternity. As those who have been renewed recreated to worship our holy God. Here in the renewed creation, we find our eternal comfort, life forevermore, for the praise and worship of our glorious creator, our glorious sustainer, redeemer, and king. Amen. Let's please rise then for our Lord's, or for the prayer of application, which will conclude within the Lord's prayer. Lord our God, we pray that you would give unto us hearts that call upon you while we're young. Even when the years and the decades have, have been numbered in our lives, we pray that you would give us hearts that call upon you in true faith, that rely upon you when the trials of this life come and we say, I have no pleasure in them. Give us that strength that comes only from you and prepare us even for eternity. All this we pray uh, using the words that Christ himself taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.